Well, it's so good to see you. Good morning. And good morning to the city campus and online campus. It's good to see you guys too. Today is Worship Sunday. And uh, as the worship pastor here in FCC, I have the privilege of being able to speak into this this morning. And I have one objective today. And my objective is simply this. I would like to help us as a church catch a glimpse of the weight of God's glory. To catch a glimpse of the weight of God's glory. And this is such an important thing to be able to grapple with this morning. Because if you think about it, what is the reason that we have shallow worship? Why is it that so many people can say that the church looks just like the world around it? It can be filled with all kinds of irreverent behavior, crude talk, intolerance for sin, compromise. Well, one of the reasons I believe is this. It's that as a church, global, capital C church, perhaps we have lost a sense of the weight of God's glory. The weight of God's glory. And my prayer today is that we will recapture a glimpse of this today. Is that okay? So allow me to pray. Allow me to pray quickly. Heavenly Father, we just submit this service into your hands. Right now, in this moment, we know, Lord, that it is not because of emotional songs or the eloquence of somebody's words that we can begin to get a glimpse of who you are, of just how glorious and magnificent you are. We need the power of your Holy Spirit to open up our eyes. Open up our eyes so that we can see you truly for who you are. And Lord, I pray that as your spirit moves in this place, in every place that is under the sound of my voice, Lord, I pray that our response will be to worship and to adore a holy God. A God who is far above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. So come and have your way amongst us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Today, amen. Church, you know, when I was thinking about one passage that, that helps us to get a glimpse of the glory of our God. The, the passage Isaiah chapter 6 came to mind. And if you'd allow me, I'd like to read it for you. It says this. Now pay attention and try to put yourself in this place. It, it speaks of a vision that God gives the prophet Isaiah of himself. It says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and he said, see, this has touched your lips. 
your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Church, this is an amazing passage, but I would like to highlight for us three things that we can capture about God and the way that we should worship God in this passage. Is that okay? Very quickly, the first one of them is this. Worship requires for us to see God rightly. Worship requires for us to see God rightly. In this chapter, in this verses, in this text today, we see that Isaiah has a heavenly vision of who God is. And what is it that he sees? Church, would you indulge me for a moment and just close your eyes? I want you to close your eyes and imagine yourself in Isaiah's place as he is given this vision of God. What does he see? So imagine, imagine you came into church this morning and as you come into the temple, as you come into the church, you don't see the worship team, you don't see the band, you don't see the lights. What you see, first and foremost, is front and center, high and exalted, is the Lord, God Almighty, seated high and exalted on his throne. The train of his robe fills the church, it fills the temple. Even the robe that God wears is so majestic and glorious that it fills the room. And then it says this, as you look up, you see seraphim, angels, six wings, seraphim, also meaning burning ones. So they are on fire, these fiery angelic beings, they are flying above the Lord. They are terrifying heavenly beings. And you see that they are covering their face. Why? They're covering their face because they feel like they are unworthy to look upon the Lord. And at the same time, they are covering their feet because they are covering their shame, their dirtiness before the Lord. These heavenly beings are in a posture of absolute humility before a holy God. And they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. These fiery angelic beings surrounding God are filled with reverence and awe, fear and trembling at the Lord seated on his throne. And as they cry out, the whole building is shaking and filled with smoke. It is like being in an earthquake as they shout out the holiness and the glory of the God that they are in front of. Church, are you catching this? Are you beginning to picture what the prophet Isaiah saw? He saw a holy God. It's so interesting that as the angels, the seraphim are flying above the Lord, the one thing that they are crying out is holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Because church, we cannot ever forget that the preeminent characteristic of God the primary thing that we see about God in the Bible, when you gaze upon him, is that you see he is holy. He is holy. It is not that he is loving, though he is. It is not that he is kind and merciful, though he is. But the preeminent characteristic about God is that he is a holy God. And what does that mean? It means that there is absolutely no one like him. He is totally perfect and unique in every way. 
He is above us, beyond us in every way. There is not one iota of imperfection or weakness to be found in him. He is perfectly morally righteous. He is excellent. He is glorious. He is powerful, far above what we can ever think of. God is a holy God. And the picture that Isaiah gets, the vision that Isaiah gets of the Lord is one that fills him with terror, with terror. It is a situation that drives fear into the hearts of those who are in it. Are you catching that, church? It's a bit like the Israelites in the Old Testament when they came to Mount Sinai. And the Bible says that the glory of God was like an all-consuming fire burning the top of the mountain. And a glory cloud covered the mountain. And the Israelites, in front of this holy sight, in front of this supernatural sight of the glory of God, are trembling. It is, a, it is a sight that drives fear into their hearts. It's like the feeling of being in imminent danger, like one wrong move would be the end of you. And church, my question to us this morning is this. How is it that you see God? How is it that you see God? I would hazard a guess that many of us when we think of God, we like to picture Jesus. Jesus, meek and mild. Jesus, the loving one, the one who is encouraging and uplifting and comes close, and we can call him our brother and our friend. But the Bible is clear that that is not all to who our God is. We serve a God who is high and exalted, seated on his throne. These amazing angelic beings whom we would be terrified of are in fear and trembling, awe and reverence before this God that we serve. And I wonder this morning whether we have that as part of how we see God. Because church, we are very good. We are very, very good. Listen to me when I say this. We are very good at focusing on the parts of God that we like, on the parts of God that make us comfortable on the God that comes and fills, fills me, that fulfills my needs, that satisfies me, the God that provides for me, the God that comes close in my times of weakness. And yes, God is all those things, but our God is also an all-consuming fire. And I wonder whether that is part of the reason that the church has lost its power in, in the days around us. I wonder if it's because we have lost sight of the God that we serve that we have so quickly embraced the parts that we like and the parts that we don't, we turn away from and we don't mention them very often. But our God, this, this picture that, that Isaiah has of God is our God. Do you see God like Isaiah did? Because worship requires for us to see God for who he really is, not just the parts of him that we like. The second thing that we see from this passage is this, that worship humbles us before the cross. Now you may be thinking, what do you mean? This, this, this passage doesn't even mention the cross. But let me explain. It says, the right, because the right view of God, it leads us to see ourselves for who we really are. When we see a holy God, it leads us to see ourselves rightly. 
What this is like, it's like the feeling of being underdressed for an occasion. I don't know if any of you can, can relate to that. Have you ever been underdressed for an occasion before? I certainly have. In the uh, younger days, in the folly of my youth, I was invited to a wedding. And uh, I remember, I, I don't know what came over me that day, but I just thought, you know, it'd be great to go to this wedding in a polo t-shirt and jeans. And, and for some reason, I, just, I did that. I rocked up, and I was standing in the wedding, and I was watching as people were coming in before the, the wedding was about to start. And as you can imagine, you know, ball gown, dress, 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 suit and tie, suit and tie, suit and tie. And as more and more people filtered into that wedding, I became more and more self-conscious of myself just standing here in, in jeans and a polo t-shirt. And then when it came around to the to photo taking time, guess where I was? I was at the back, hiding, just my face, just, just, just showing there, because I was so ashamed. I was so self-conscious of who I was. And in a very, very trivial sense, that is how we feel before a holy God. Because our God is like a perfect light that when we are around him, every blemish is highlighted. Every spot, every stain, every wrinkle is brought to the forefront, is made clear as day. Our souls are laid bare before him. Every hidden thought, every motive of our heart, every impure thing we have ever considered or done is exposed in the brightness of his perfect light. And so as we see a holy God, at the same time, the natural response for a man is to see the uncleanliness of our heart in relation to him. We see that in this passage today. Isaiah, when he sees God, the first thing he notes is that his, his response is not joy, it's not elation, but it is sorrow, it is distress. He says, woe to me, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Before God, our souls are laid bare. No wonder Isaiah proclaimed, woe to me, I am ruined. No wonder the Israelites before Mount Sinai did not dare come close to the glory of God. But here, in the midst of our distress, in the midst of Isaiah's distress, we find the goodness of God. Because Isaiah is not left in his sin, but rather our God was gracious to provide a way out. It says, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and he said, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Church, this is what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. The only reason you and I can come boldly before God, before the King of kings and the Lord of lords is because the cross has made a way. God, the Bible says God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is why everyone is equal before God. Catch this, everyone is equal before God. We come confidently but humbly because before God we know that we are only able to be there on the merit of one thing and one thing only and it's the blood of Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen? If it wasn't for the blood, the glory of God would not be something that we marvel at, that we adore, but the glory of God would be something that consumes us. And that is why worship should keep us humble before the cross. 
we should never grow tired of thanking God for the cross because if the cross has become small in our eyes, it means that God has become small in our eyes. And may that never be the case. And the final thing that we see in this passage is this. Our worship must produce surrender. What is the last thing that we see in this passage? Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah replied, here am I, send me. Church, worship that ends at just admiring God and praising and thanking God for the cross is incomplete. It is a stunted worship. Jesus said, whoever has been forgiven much loves much. You know, the reasonable response after seeing God rightly, after having a glimpse of his holiness and receiving his forgiveness, the only right response is for us to surrender our lives over to God. Romans 12, that that famous verse, in view of God's mercy, offer your lives as living sacrifices to God. Here am I, send me. Church, I wonder this morning, in light of who God is, how he has forgiven us, cleansed us, welcomed us into his presence. Is our response this morning, Lord, whatever it is that you say, I will do it. Wherever you send me, Lord, I will go. Whatever it is that you want to do in my heart, God, come and have your way. Church, is that your posture of worship this morning? Because God is not merely after lip service. He is after hearts that are surrendered to him. But church, this morning, it all comes back to simply this. Have you caught a glimpse of the weight of his glory? Have you caught a glimpse of the weight of his glory? Because that is the thing that drives our worship. It is the thing that drives us in our lives as believers. If we can see God rightly, If the cross is magnificent in our eyes, we will live rightly. We will surrender. And so this morning, can I just ask us to stand? This morning, as we worship, the problem that we have that many of us have, myself included, is that we have lost sight of the glory of God. And the thing about the glory of God is that it is not something that we can just talk about. It's not something that I can convince you of, off of a pulpit. It is something that the Holy Spirit needs to give you revelation of. It is a supernatural work of the Spirit where he opens up our spiritual eyes and suddenly the things that we knew intellectually in our head, the things that we already knew and that we've been talking about for years and years suddenly come alive. Suddenly you can feel the presence of God, the weight of his glory. Suddenly he becomes magnificent to you. More than just lip service, more than just head knowledge, he becomes real to you. And so my prayer for us this morning is that God through the power of his Holy Spirit, would open our eyes. Would open our eyes to catch a glimpse of his glory. So right now, I would just like to read this passage for us one more time. And I would, as I read, can I ask you just to focus in, just ask God to breathe upon this. 
so that your eyes are opened. So that's not just me reading, but that you're in your heart, in your spirit, you can see the glory of God. Let me read it one last time. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high, exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Church, I'm just going to ask the worship team to lead us in this song. And can I just ask you to fix your eyes right now on God and to allow him to reveal himself to us as we sing.